A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of the Teaching History Her Way podcast. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and I'm really excited to learn and grow with all of you. So I was thinking about what I was going to do for the very first episode, and in thinking about what the topic of this podcast is, teaching hidden histories, busting historical myths, talking about hard history, and the pedagogy that goes along with all of those things, I thought that the best place to start would be to start with ourselves and how we prepare to have conversations that are difficult in the classroom or have conversations that some of our students or even our parents may not be open to us having. And just because someone's mind is closed at the very beginning of a unit or the very beginning of a year or even for an entire year, that doesn't mean that we as educators shouldn't do our jobs to make sure that our classes are reflective of all the histories in our classroom, of all the students that are sitting in front of us. It's really important that all of our students see themselves in our curriculum. And I'm nearly certain that if you're listening to this podcast, excuse me, you agree with that mentality as a teacher. So as we prepare ourselves to help our students work through those discussions, uh, we have to realize that some of them are in a place where they're really ready to have those conversations. And some of them may have never had conversations about hard histories or uh, histories that they've never heard of at all. So um, we have to remember that all of our students are in a different place. And it's really hard as a teacher sometimes to meet them all where they are um, because they're all in such different places. Um, So today we're going to talk about preparing ourselves and preparing our students to have conversations that may make them feel uncomfortable. But I think some of the best advice that I've ever gotten, and it's advice from my colleagues here at Montclair Kimberly Academy in Montclair, New Jersey, is to lean into discomfort. The more we avoid being uncomfortable, Uh, with a conversation, the less likely the conversation is going to happen. And then we can't improve our society. We can't improve our citizenry. We can't improve our relationships with our communities or with each other. And really what we need now and what we need always is to make sure that we have relationships with each other that are open and communicative and honest. Um, So before planning discussions around – certain topics uh, around slavery, around uh, the civil rights movement, around Black Lives Matter, around uh, Japanese-American internment during World War II, um, around citizenship and who is considered historically white, um, around conversations about women's rights and all of the layers that come with that. I always recommend thinking in advance what kind of questions might my students have about what I'm teaching and what questions am I most comfortable answering from those students. So by determining what I am most comfortable with, I can then begin to work through my discomfort. And part of the process of teaching and learning, I think, is making an example of ourselves. If we're expecting our students to be uncomfortable, we need to be able to identify what makes ourselves uncomfortable too and strategies that we use ourselves as educators to push through discomfort into a place of understanding. 
So once I recognize what I'm most comfortable answering and the themes from the unit that I am most comfortable with, I'll then really focus on what makes me uncomfortable and how I can best prepare for this discomfort in my classroom. So I'm a lot more comfortable talking about themes in the class, themes in history that were hard for me really a long time ago. So in 2006, when I started my teaching career, it was really hard for me to talk about slavery. There were so many feelings that I had about slavery in American history. I had to figure out for myself how did founders who I had been taught to worship almost as deities fit into this story and fit into the story that I believed about them in my mind and how do I get over this story to realize and understand the truth and complexities of the histories of those men and women. Um, I also was really uncomfortable talking about race. And it wasn't until I explored a lot about myself and the way I view my racial identity um, and I identify as white uh, and how my whiteness affected the way I spoke about race and slavery and also the way I taught about it, the way I think about it, and the way others perceive the way I think about it, that I was able to get over a lot of, um, a lot of my fear. Um, so really thinking about what makes you uncomfortable can help you explore strategies to make you more comfortable about it. And some of those strategies might be finding a podcast that talks about what you're uncomfortable with, the topic you're uncomfortable with, and seeing how someone else talks about it and and listening to someone else. Maybe the strategy is having conversation with a trusted colleague about what you're uncomfortable with, um, helping you identify your blind spots, uh, and they can give you strategies that they've used uh, during class. Um, and maybe some tips for do's and do nots. Maybe your strategy is to go to a book and read about how different historians over the course of time have talked about the topic you're teaching. So reaching for a couple of books is actually one of my go-tos and going to my colleagues is one of the things that I like to do best. Um, and I made a note about historiography earlier. Historiography Looking at the historiography of a topic, of the topic that you're studying is important. And looking at all the scholarship, well, maybe not all the scholarship because scholarship for certain areas of history is extensive. And one of our podcast episodes will certainly talk about what we study and what we don't. But um, learning uh, what the history of the history of your topic is, is important too. How have historians evolved in the way that they study the topic that you're getting ready to cover in class. That will certainly help you get some perspective about how you should talk about it. And then another point that you might want to take into consideration when you are talking about a topic in your class that students may or may not be ready for is what do you think is important? Always identify what it is that you want your students to get out of the conversation. So I, when I started thinking about slavery and my discomfort with teaching it, and when I started thinking about race and my discomfort with teaching it, one of my strategies was to think about what do I want my students to get out of this conversation? And one of the things that I, I identified was empowerment. 
So rather than viewing slavery through the lens of people who were mired by something that they could not get out of, I decided to start looking through the lens of power. How did people empower themselves in spite of the situation that they were living in? And that made the conversation so much better because students who can identify with those who were enslaved didn't see victims of despair. They saw empowerment in their ancestors and continue to see that. And then they see empowerment in themselves. And then the people in the classroom who are uncomfortable with the conversation or who may feel guilty about the conversation then can see the history through the lens of empowerment, through the lens of people who had strength and continue to have strength. So identifying what I wanted students to get out of a conversation really helped me figure out how to have that conversation with them in a way that was productive. And then going back to finding colleagues, who can I find that's either in my building or in another building or in my uh, personal learning network or professional learning network, either on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, because there are so many valuable resources and people who just want to talk and have that discourse with you. Who can I draw upon as a resource to help me have this conversation in my classroom? Who do I know that already does this well or proficiently or who is working through the same kind of issue that I am and trying to create this space where I am comfortable having conversations with my students and also empowering my students to have these conversations on their own? Um, either together or with a family member or with me or even just joining the class discussion and not sitting scared or embarrassed or feeling like they're an example, which has to be one of the worst feelings to be a student who feels like they're the only one in the room who can relate. How can we help those students? So drawing upon other people as resources, I highly, highly recommend Uh, doing that and doing it as often as possible. Having these conversations with other people, yourself, working through your own issues with what it is you're talking about so that you can help students break those barriers on their own as well. And for those of you who are more seasoned in having the conversations of hard history, offer yourself up as a resource. Make it known that you're ready and willing to have colleagues come to you to have that conversation. And also continue having those conversations with other seasoned professionals as well. I know that even though I'm really comfortable having the conversations of hard history and I'm really comfortable examining myself, my own bias, my own discomfort, asking for feedback about my blind spots, I know that continuing to have these conversations helps me to learn even more. I'm not perfect. And I always want to make sure that I can do things better and do justice for my students. And one of my ways of doing that is continuing to have these conversations 
so that I can continue to identify things that I can do better. So talking to other adults, talking to other colleagues that you trust uh, to help you work through these things is really, really helpful. And um, I'm always available. My Twitter handle, excuse me, is History Her Way. So please feel free to get in touch with me anytime because I love having these conversations with teachers and, um, and other professionals that are in education. So once you're able to identify comfort, discomfort within yourself, identify what it is that you want students to get out of a conversation that you are having with them, the next thing that you need to do is really work with the students themselves and before you have any hard history conversations. And I would suggest doing this at the beginning of a school year, but if you're mid-school year and you haven't done this yet, but you're getting ready to have a conversation that could be uncomfortable for your for your classroom community, don't talk about the topic first. Talk about how you're going to talk to each other. <laughs> Tolerance.org gave me an excellent idea this year about rather than calling my classroom norms or classroom rules, rules or norms, we're now calling it creating a brave space. And in my classroom, I have a poster hanging on my wall that says in large neon letters, our brave space. And before we started doing uh, any historical discussion about anything at all because we we in our department bring in as many voices as we can, as many perspectives as we can. And sometimes kids have never heard a perspective from history before and they don't know how to talk about it. They don't know what to say. And a lot of times kids are quiet uh, partly because they're uncomfortable um, with the topic or maybe they don't want to talk about it or maybe it's something, uh, it, it brings up something that they're not necessarily taught in their family and they're getting a new perspective on something that's completely different. Sometimes students don't talk though because they're afraid of being offensive because they don't know what to say. And I think that that's not a good way to feel for a student. So we have to make sure that they're comfortable with understanding that they're still learning and they're going to be making mistakes in the way they talk, in the way that they write, and we understand that they're not working to be offensive. They're not coming from a place of hatred when they're talking. They're coming from a place of, I don't know, or I have never had that experience. And it is not the job of a student of color or a female student or a student on the LGBTQ plus spectrum to help that student learn or to teach them. That's not your student's job. That is your job. That is our job as educators. Our job as educators is to help our students learn about experiences of other people. So when a student makes a misstep in the classroom, it's not up to a student that identifies with the group you're talking about to teach them. It's up to us to teach them ways of speaking that are respectful and kind. And it's also up to us to realize that most of the time they're not coming from a place where they're saying it to be hateful. They're saying it because they just don't know any better. So part of that brave space, part of my promise in our brave space is that I will help students 
learn about other experiences that they have not had before in their lives and learn how to talk about it. And my commitment to my students who have not had an experience or are coming from a place of an experience and who make a mess, misstep in their speech is to not make them feel less than. It's to lift them up and say to them, hey, I know that you just said this, but that's not exactly the way we should be talking. Here is some alternative language for you to use for next time. And most often, that works out. So the promises that our students also make in our Brave Space is they think about what a Brave Space looks like, sounds like, and feels like. What do they want their classroom to look like, sound like, and feel like so that they feel brave enough to talk about their own life experiences with each other and brave enough to ask questions or talk about an experience that might not have been their own. So this year, my students identified that our Brave Space looks like raised hands and collaboration. And they also said it looks like comfort to speak even when the conversations are hard. So that's their goal. Their goal is to lean into discomfort. And they said that their brave space sounds like voices in conversation that are supportive both in speaking and in listening. So they identified listening as part of the conversation. And you can help lead them there if they're not identifying that quiet piece as part of the conversation. They said it sounds like asking questions. And of course, in this hybrid world, they also said that their brave space sounds like turning on microphones and using the chat, which I thought was pretty astute. And then lastly, they identified what the space feels like. And they said it feels like a comfortable place to take risks and it also feels non-judgmental, both by life experience and non-judgmental about the mistakes that we make. They said it feels like it's fun and easy to be a part of. And they also said it feels like it's okay to make mistakes, which I think is fantastic because mistakes are a part of life. We're, we all make them. And then lastly, they said it feels like a place where others will help you to think clearly. So. Very clearly, our Brave Space is about the relationships in the classroom, their relationship with me, their relationship with each other. And as teachers, we can foster these relationships between our students and between ourselves by listening, by learning, and by preparing ourselves to have hard conversations, by doing that reading that I had mentioned before by talking to colleagues like I had mentioned before, by really questioning ourselves and then bringing our students, once they've identified their brave space, through that same process of reflection. Reflecting upon who they are. This year we had students write journal entries and we had them write poetry about their identity. How do I identify? And some of them chose to talk about gender. Some of them chose to talk about race. Others chose to talk about socioeconomic status or their place in the community. Some talked about age. Some talked about their spots in the family. But 
it was good for them to get to know themselves and then for me to read those journal entries if they chose to allow me so that I could get to know them. And then once they did that kind of reflection and they know a little bit more about themselves and they thought about conversations that they're comfortable with, conversations that they may not be comfortable with, and they are allowed to identify that before you have the conversation. Hey, hey everyone, we're going to be talking about Japanese American internment today. Do you know what that means? Write in your journals quickly, do a quick write about how you're feeling about this conversation before we have it. And then after the conversation, they do a journal entry about how they're feeling after they have the conversation and any questions that they still have. So they are going through the same kind of self-reflection you are so that they too can feel comfortable or at least more comfortable having a conversation. I hope that this podcast was helpful in helping you figure out how to have conversations about hard history yourself and then also helping your students work through having conversations about hard history because this podcast is going to bring up lots of hard histories and what we can do as teachers to help make sure that our students are aware of the wonderful things that have happened in humanity but also aware of things that were not so wonderful so that we don't continue to repeat those same mistakes and so that we can have more empathy and care toward each other as an American community if you're living in the States and you're an American history teacher like I am or as a global community. So thank you very much for visiting me today on this very first Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola. You can find me on Twitter at Teaching History Her, excuse me. You can find me on Twitter at History Her Way. You can find me on my website, www.teachinghistoryherway.com, or you can send me an email at teachinghistoryherway at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, and I'm looking forward to continuing this podcast so that we can learn and grow together. Have a fantastic day.